Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to read the sermon passage this morning, pray, and then give a brief introduction and allow uh, our uh, preacher this morning, uh, Gary Johnson, to come on up. We will be reading from Matthew chapter 6, correct? <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 34, which is indeed found in your pew Bibles on page 964 and 965. Be reading from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 24. Do listen carefully, because this is God's word that is for you. Jesus says that no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word. Let me pray and ask the Lord's blessing on our message and our speaker today. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son into the world to preach this very passage to us today. And I pray that as this sermon echoes its way through time and finds its way explained here by Gary this morning, I pray that you would clothe him with unction, that he would bring us a word fit for this season, and that we might be encouraged by it. Oh, Lord, we ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Again, we have the pleasure of hearing from Gary Johnson. He's been a missionary for 25 years with Mission to the World. has been serving in Sweden with his lovely wife. Uh, we do welcome you. And 
Ask us, show us Jesus, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. It really is an honor to be here, and I think the Lord is on the move. Mark read the wrong passage, but it actually fit in nicely. Did you hear what he said? I am the Lord. That is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. It's prophetic. We're living in an interesting time. There are many who are saying 2024, anything can happen. Now I'm fixing to preach. I'm going to give a monologue for 30 minutes. Maybe a touch longer. But I don't believe that this is merely a monologue. One person speaks. I believe this is a dialogue. That this is the time that the person preaches and tries to unpack the Word of God and you have a dialogue with your Father who is in heaven. He's named over and over again in this Sermon on the Mount. And by His Holy Spirit, there are things that maybe His Word would bring to you this day. I say that because you know when uh, familiarity can breed contempt. We come to church, the same building every Sunday and life goes on. This is a different Sunday. This is a mission-focused Sunday. Missionaries of here, we've heard reports. I had the privilege of speaking last night. I hardly got to anything about our mission. I just wanted to tell you about my wife, Linda, who I met in Sweden when I was on the mission field. When I was supposed to be sacrificing, I was actually finding a wife. And we enjoyed the best dinner last night. I hadn't had fried chicken. Swedes don't cook. She's from Sweden, by the way. They don't cook fried chicken. I loved the meal last night. And then I realized normally when Linda and I bring our 12 kids to a a potluck, we get to take everything home. And it was just me and Linda. And I just thought, who got to take the food home last night? We kind of miss that, having those plates we take home to our kids. Uh, And I really appreciated the music. Uh, We, our kids played their cello or piano. The piano playing was excellent. I just really appreciate it both the selection of songs, it's very meaningful. Uh, The ministry, 25 years of mission to the world since 2012 with IXO, International Exchange Organization. Started in 1998 to help mission to the world missionaries to go behind closed doors in China. Now, I've never been to China. I've always worked in Europe or in parts of Africa, but focus has been on Sweden. Do you know who started International Exchange Organization? You ever heard of Dan and Dale Faber? Before I ever, I visited here back in 1988, not 98, not 2008, 1988, 89 and 90 quite often. And it was even before that time that Dale Faber Uh, Dan and Dale Faber were here, and they later with MTW and then started International Exchange Organization. Kind of goes full circle, doesn't it? And uh, I I would say without giving any details about the ministry, our, our focus is making disciples. In your going, make disciples. Paul said this to his son 
in the Lord, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. Oh, Timothy, my son, be strong. Be strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And even in his last days, he said this to Timothy. And the things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who in turn will be able to teach others also. Paul meets Jesus, effectually called on the Damascus Road. Paul disciples Timothy. Timothy is to go make disciples, these faithful men who in turn the fourth generation would be those who were able to teach others also. Missions weekend, missions, make disciples, go, go, go. And to every father in this room, every mother in this room, in your going, he has given you disciples. Those little youngins that you are raising now or have already raised, and maybe there's some grandchildren in your life. So the missions call is for all of us. But that's not my passage for today. We are in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, I'm going to endeavor to take on more than probably I ought to. And uh, I don't see a clock in here, so we could all be in trouble, but I can lean on uh, Pastor Aaron to give me that signal at the proper time. Uh, Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, I, I would ask that you turn to them today. Just like Isaiah spoke. Or Mark, as he read Isaiah, the wrong passage, he says, behold, maybe I'm about to do something new. Maybe something will unfold, unfold before your eyes. Let's expect the Lord Jesus by his Holy Spirit to speak to us from Matthew chapter 6. My hope this morning is that we will be encouraged. Paul said everything that has been written and then he was talking about the Old Testament. Everything that has been written is for our encouragement so that we might gain endurance and that we would have hope. I don't see a person in this room that does not need hope. Some of you need it more than you think you need it. There are some that just give me the next piece of hope because I'm very uncertain about my future. So my goal is to encourage you to love the Lord, personal relationship with our Father and your Father who longs for intimacy with you and with me. In doing so, I believe that from Matthew 6, we can find relief from the felt need that many of us have, the relief from our anxiety, from our fears. And I saw in Matthew 6, as Mark was reading, eight different ways and eight reasons why he's telling us to not be anxious. And let me just real quickly, starting in verse 25, just, just run through them. Jesus says in verse 25, do not be anxious for your life. And then he gives us those reasons not to be anxious. He reminds us that life is more than food and clothing. These things are necessary, but they cannot provide the great things of life. What a contrast from the type of work that we do in Europe, in Sweden, 
and the ministry that we just heard about in Vapor Ministries, where literally when you come with the gospel, you have to dig a well. You have to provide food. People are hungry. They're starving. That's not the situation where we work in Sweden. But in the same way, he is saying life is more than food. The great things of life are knowing God, being known by him, enjoying his presence in a way that we we even find some joy in the midst of our suffering. The greater things are the hope of eternity in his presence. Then he says in verse 26 that all creation relies on him. He names the birds. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And then he goes on to say that anxiety is absolutely useless. We who want to be effective with our time are being reminded it's absolutely useless. Why are you addicted to worrying all the time? It's useless. And which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit to his span of life? Verse 27. And then he says that our Father delights to adorn. He delights to give us everything we need this side of the grave. It's not only He's willing, He doesn't do it begrudgingly, He delights to adorn you with what you need today as you trust Him for tomorrow. He does it for the flowers. He'll do it for you. And then He says, you know, you shouldn't be worried. It's the unbelievers who should be anxious, but not his children. Their father is evil and deceiving and a liar. And mammon's all they've got. And then it's going to be gone. I live in the land that lives for the things of this earth and lives well. Swedes pursue the good life in every element. But there's just one problem. Life comes to an end. And it's over. And there are no answers after that point. The evil father does promote good things in this life. But it is not eternal. Your heavenly father knows your needs even before you ask him today. And he's preparing a place for you for all eternity. And then he says he will carry your burdens, the burdens of his children. And even better, he spreads the burdens over time. Verse 34 says, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Let today's on trouble be sufficient for the day. He spreads it out over time. He's gracious. One bite at a time, we eat that elephant. And He provides us if we will trust this. However, in verse 25, Jesus did not merely say, do not be anxious for your life and then give you these eight reasons. He said, therefore, do not be anxious for your life or for this reason. 
For what reason? That means Jesus had said something previously before He lays out those logical reasons. We thank Him that He, he works with us. He doesn't just command, but He works with us and he, he uses illustrations and gives us logical reasons. Well, He's got a few more things to say before it was not read. And He shows us in chapter 6 Three clear commands, but there are two principles, two universal principles about people. Now, any missionary loves universal principles. In other words, not stuff that just works here for Silicaga, but that works around the world. A missionary is one who grabs a hold of, of the principles that are for all people in all cultures in all ages. Not just believers, but when our Creator speaks, is for all people, and it's those we play off of. It's like the cheat seat. It's like the inside game as you go into a culture and deal with people. And what I know is that this world is very anxious right now. The one who spoke us into creation is offering a universal solution to fear and anxiety here in chapter 6. And they are these. Think about your treasure. For wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And you know He has said, guard your heart. For there flows the wellsprings of life. So the first one is wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And then the second one is in verse 24. No man, no man can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and the things that you absolutely are going to have to leave behind at your death. You can't serve both. You can try, and I think it's in epidemic proportions here in America, trying to serve two masters. Then he says in verse 25, therefore do not be anxious. So let's, I would like to back up to verse 19 to be sure we catch this therefore. What is it therefore? Verse 19, let's read this together. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves Treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, if your eye is clear, if your eye is single, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, or if your eye is evil, if your eye is stingy, if your eye is bad, 
your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious for your life. So here you have three main imperatives or or three commands in this second half of chapter 6. Everything else is meant to help us see the commands as wise and worth our attention. Perhaps perhaps worth believing in and committing and making change in our life. These three commands of the rest of chapter 6 are lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven found in verse 20 and I'm I'm lumping together the negative to command do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth together with this one as a negative of saying the same thing. So lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Then he says, do not be anxious. He's not just trying to relieve his people. He's giving a command. Do not be anxious. Stop it. Do not be anxious. It's found three times. Verse 25, do not be anxious about your life. Verse 31, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or drink? Or where? And then verse 34, do not be anxious about tomorrow. That's the second command. Third command is this. Seek first His kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and His righteousness. You see that in verse 33. That's the large overarching command. It's the punchline at any mission conference. It's the directive that we've been given for 2024 when anything can happen. It can all change. We learned that in 2020. And factors are pointing that even this year, there could be a new day of change. And he is saying, do not be anxious. Do not fear even if the mountains fall into the sea. Be still and know that I am God. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven is a specific instance of what seeking God's kingdom involves. And that's why I told Jim as he was heading back, he said, I'm not going to harangue you. I said, harangue them. You're trying to set them free from the love of money and to build treasures in heaven. You know, Seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness involves not trying to be rich on earth, but trying to be rich in heaven. That is, rich in God. Rich in relationship with God. Actually growing in your belief that as I speak into the nothingness, when I speak 
to someone I don't see, He hears me and He cares for me. And He truly says, cast your anxieties upon Him because He cares for you. Seeking the kingdom means treasuring God, freeing yourself from the drag of earth's gravitational pull. And as you focus up there, as you fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith, you're believing I can focus on you because you're going to take care of everything I need down here. It's guaranteed. It's a no risk investment. In fact, Jesus is our great investment counselor. So when he says, do not be anxious, he's speaking of the condition of the heart by which we break free from our addiction to earth treasure. And let me tell you, we're battling addiction down south. Absolutely. I almost wanted to get in my car and drive off when I was looking at some of the pictures in Africa in comparison to the way I whine about being a poor guy that gets about $800 a month from, from IXO. How embarrassing to say I'm a poor boy. We battle this addiction. And He's out to free us from this addiction, thereby freeing us from anxiety. And in this freedom, we don't crave treasures on earth anymore. Those are the three main imperatives in the text. So Jesus is asking you and me, what is your treasure? I don't have a lot of money, but I got 12 kids. I got grandkids, and there are some projections to be made as to the human resources that have been accumulated in the Johnson family. So when you think about mammon, you think about the relationships, you think about the money, think about the structures, think about the investments, think about the security that somehow it sits there because there is a 401k or there's something there that while you're pretending like you don't have a lot of money, it's actually there and you know it's there and you know, well, if God doesn't come through, I got my backup right over there. Then comes verse 22. This is where I hope that we would spend, if, if you got any focus left, let's look at 22 and 23 together. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, if your eye is clear, if your eye is generous, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. You know, the idea behind this is actually childlike simplicity. You can't miss it. But then you also have to look a little closer. Because these verses contain one of the most shocking warnings against self-deception possible. 
This paradoxical phrase haunts me at times. If if then the light, the apparent light in you is actually darkness, how great is that darkness? It's the darkest darkness there is. You know, the Lord's Prayer is a prayer for protection against evil and the evil one, that one who's out there, who's trying to gain access to your mind. But here Jesus is not warning about an external enemy because He says if the light that is in us, within us, inside us, is darkness, there's no light at all. Though you think it is light. It's great darkness. It's about the strongest warning against self-deception imaginable. And I think I heard last night one of your elders, David, you got two of them so you figure out which one it is, but Elder David last night prayed something to this effect from Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 in this same Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And this can, this is an absolutely terrifying statement. And it's not to be thrown around lightly, fling it out to create a little fear, perhaps a little anxiety. That's not what it's for, and that's not what Jesus meant. That to think, okay, he's, he's holding back on me. You mean after all my devotion, I'll be shocked to find out that my ladder was leaned up against the wrong wall? I did all this stuff in the name of Jesus and it wasn't? I don't believe that's his intention. I believe it's his final warning for the heart of heart who are going to try to serve two masters. He's not out to trick us. He's out for a private inner relationship with Jesus Christ. And we are pretty good at external religion. We're pretty faithful. We give our money. We give to missions. We go on mission trips. And this is what He's longed for all along. To know you and to be known by you. He's a God of relationship. Personal, warm relationship. The one who manages the universe has said to you, enter the narrow gate. No backpack, no checked luggage. Your wife can't go with you. I want you by yourself to enter this narrow gate. He speaks of this in chapter 7. It's that personal, individual, private relationship with Him. And that's why He warns at the very end to those who practice religion, depart from Me. I never knew you. I cried over you. I wanted you, but you wouldn't have Me. You tried to serve God and mammon. 
And no man can serve two masters. Hmm. Let's look at the placement of verses 22 and 23. If you back up to confirm what he's saying about this light and this darkness, back up to 19 where he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there is your heart also. And then let's skip 22 and 23 and look at the verse after. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I see a money issue before. I see a money issue after. The healthy, single, generous eye would see heaven as more valuable and would lay up treasure there. The bad eye, the stingy eye, the evil eye would see this life as more valuable. So it's God over money or money over God. I strike partnership agreements in my ministry. Connect, build bridges. And here he's saying, no partnership agreement. There will be not two partners, two masters. You will serve me. And I'll take care of the money part. You see this evil eye in Proverbs 28.22. Proverbs 28.22, a man with an evil eye hastens after riches and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. And then you see the use of that healthy, clear eye in Proverbs 22.9. Whoever has a bountiful eye, a generous eye, will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. The person who is materialistic or greedy is spiritually blind because he has no way of recognizing true light. He thinks he has light when he does not. And what is thought to be the good light turns out to be darkness because the motives were not for God but to please men. That's what the first half of chapter 6 is all about. Do not practice your righteousness in order to find recognition by men. Do not be like them. It's dangerous. It's deadly. It's blinding. And because of the self-deception, a great theme of the Sermon on the Mount has to do with your private life because you can fool even your spouse perhaps your children cannot fool God and he longs to set you free and rid you of this anxiety this fear men look at the outward appearance but God looks at the heart that can be scary but that can be delightful 
which means your heavenly Father, the God of love, is desirous to set you free from fear and anxiety about the future. So really, our principle is is upon us. It's simple, it's sobering, the way we look at and use our stuff, whether it's transactional relationships or our money to manipulate, to buy something we want, or to shut somebody up, or to live off the backs of someone else. The way we look at and use our stuff is a sure barometer of our spiritual condition. And I believe a missions conference is a time to to run that test, as Paul said. Test yourselves to see if you're of the faith. Then verse 24, the master mammon. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You know, this word mammon comes from a root which means to entrust. And mammon was a good word back in the day. It's it's that which a man entrusted, say, to a banker or to a safe deposit of some kind. Mammon was the wealth which a man entrusted to, for someone to keep safe for him. But as the years went on, mammon became a capital M and came to mean not that which is entrusted, but that in which a man places his trust. Material possessions can usurp a place in the life which they were never meant to have. Surely there is no better description of a man's God than to say his God is the power in whom he trusts. When a man puts his trust in material things, things that he'll have to leave behind, they become not his support, but his God. The literal translation of Matthew 6.24 is this. No man can be a slave to two owners. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will cleave to the one and despise the other. You cannot be a slave to God and material things. So here then is the relationship to our treasures. Our treasures own us. Guaranteed. Therefore, What is your treasure? Choose your treasure well. Mankind lives in the life of an illusion of freedom and control of his life and destiny. And Jesus here is saying, it is not true. Wake up. People are all slaves to a master. In the words of that theologian, poet, Bobby Dylan, You're going to have to serve somebody. It might be the devil and it might be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Can I hear the choir? Serve somebody. (laughs) Here then is our relationship to treasures. People are slaves to a master. 
And you know, Jesus is only pre, uh, preaching what his predecessor said to Israel as they were entering the promised land. Our brother Joshua. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you shall serve. Whether the gods of your fathers, the ones they served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In regard to the master we serve, we must understand we are slaves. We have no rights of our own. The God we serve must be the undisputed master of our life, our times, and our hearts. This is the way we're wired. There is nothing worse than a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways who's trying to serve God and mammon. If the Lord, if it is the Lord God, serve him wholeheartedly or get out of this business of religion like some of our kids are doing today. They're walking away and say, I will not play this game. They're openly saying, I will serve another master. Well, then by all means, go for the gusto. Get rich, build bigger barns, enjoy the taste that this world offers, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die and you go to hell forever. And that doctrine still stands. Though, are we listening to how the doctrine of hell is disappearing? How close it's coming to a neighborhood and a theater near you? Makes us look pretty, pretty bad. Where Jesus is saying that since you are a slave who cannot serve two masters, be certain to invest your treasure in eternal markets. He's warning how mammon will ensnare you. These fleeting pleasures of the, of the world. And your heart will be where you place your treasures. He has invested in you. Our Father in heaven gave his treasure. And there is his heart when he gave his only begotten son. To die for those who could never, ever repay. He's gone before us. He has placed his treasure. It applies to him as well. He gave his treasure for us when his son was willing to die on that cross. I don't know about you, but knowing that we were born to serve, we were born slaves is Quite clarifying. One of the great things about Jesus is though he's an absolute master and you are his bondservant and though he does bid you come and die with him, he does not want his people to be anxious. He wants them to be full of joy with life overflowing. He does not build his kingdom, this mission 
To glorify his name, he does not secure his kingship by cultivating anxiety. He has made himself king over us for the very opposite purpose. To set us free, take away our anxiety. I mean, in my own life, this has been sheer freedom to know that he doesn't want me to be anxious. He wants me to be sure of my salvation. Gives, Gives me peace. I've been through a pretty hard year this year. But the peace and the joy remains. And when he gives those reasons I read at the beginning, man, I'm convinced. Global missions is about setting people free, setting you free in your giving, in your praying, in your going. It's about finding freedom. Our Lord has said, fear not, little flock. It's your Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. And then what He said. Therefore, sell your possessions. Give to the poor those who cannot repay. Make yourself purses that will never ever wear out. This is clarifying. And to seek the kingship of God first in every affair of life is a thrilling way to live. It's full of freedom and peace and joy and adventure and hardship as we take His yoke upon us and learn from Him and walk with Him. We find that His yoke is easy. His burden is light. And if we believe in the kingship of our Heavenly Father, we don't need to be anxious about anything. He says, don't do it. For He has promised, did He not at the end, all these things will be added unto you. We just have to believe it. So why don't we go to this God who's trying to set us free and see what He has to say to us. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, as I read these words and preach these words, there's a voice inside that says, oh, wretched man that I am, I'm so double-minded. Who will set me free from this body of death? Oh, thanks be to you, our Father, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, that there is no condemnation for those that choose you that are in You, who serve You. For this law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets us free from that law of sin and death. Thank You that You've called us from afar and You send us far away. And You've said, You are my servant. I've chosen You and have not rejected You. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom, says our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.